Russell Bentley is in Ukraine. What city in Ukraine, Russell, are you? Um, I'm in the city of Donetsk, which is the capital of the Donetsk People's Republic. It hasn't been Ukraine for eight years. Uh, we have our own government here. We have our own money, which is the Russian ruble. Hmm. Um, and the uh, writ of Kiev does not run here. We are an independent republic. Today we began our um, uh, referendum to join Russia after eight years of being an independent republic. Not unlike another great republic hmm. of Texas <laughs> that broke away from the uh, Mexican government after they had a military coup d'etat was its own republic and then joined the country right next to it, the great big country right next to it. So, yes, sir. You know, it's uh, history repeats itself, so it seems. Yes, sir. So, one of the reasons that prompted me to call you, Russ, other than you're a cool guy and good to get source material because as you know we get absolutely we have no idea what the truth is here i mean 98 percent of the media is totally mm -hmm. right i mean you know that uh, it's just not so um what i've been hearing is things about russia and i'm sorry china and south korea can you confirm that there are south korean soldiers and and chinese soldiers in there in ukraine and fighting well, first of all, the one useful thing that the mainstream, Western mainstream media is good for, and it's the only thing they're good for, <laughs> is you can watch them and know that the exact opposite of what they say is really the truth. Uh -huh. And I can absolutely 100% confirm, guaranteed, cross my heart, that there's no Chinese troops here, there's no North Korean troops here. I mean, if... If you said that to someone here, they would they would literally fall down on the ground laughing. I see, I see. So this is simply more of the obsolete people running the media. Media want to pile in, and so they'll give more money to Zelensky. Well, I mean, it's what? a lot of it has to do with the military-industrial complex, of course. Uh, yeah, which is a term that. Neither me nor hippies came up with. It was actually first coined by Dwight D. Eisenhower, yes, sir. who was not exactly known as a pro-communist or a, a hippie. And those guys are making billions of dollars. The oil companies are making billions of dollars in profit because of this war, because of the sanctions that they've put on Russian oil. And uh, basically what they're doing, what the West is doing, and what China is doing too, I must admit, is um, they're buying oil like from Turkey or from China, and then they're selling it to Europe at these hyperinflated prices. You understand? Back in 2019, a thousand cubic meters of gas, natural gas, was 250 bucks. That was what the contracts were for wow. in all of Europe. And now it's ten times. It's literally ten times that. Wow, man. And these these corporations are making the profit, and it's the people of Europe, you know, most especially that are getting, you know, screwed to the floor, to the floor. So how are they going to survive so, this winter? How are they going to survive this winter? Not all of them will. Not all of them will. And it's not just a, a, a problem of heating. 
but it's also a very serious, serious problem of food. Hmm. Because I'll tell you what happened, and this is a story not a lot of people know, but it's absolutely true. 2019, Russia had long-term contracts with most European nations to sell their natural gas at $250, U.S. dollars per thousand cubic meters. In uh, 2020, when the COVID came and all the industrial uh, factories and stuff shut down, the price of the gas on the market went down about 50%. It was 125, 150 per thousand cubic meters. And so the European Union led by Poland, which is historically, you know, just like, you know, uh, Germans like beer and uh, Russians like vodka. Right. Polish are historically known for mm, a deficit of intellect. And they went to the Strasbourg Court of International Settlements. They, backed by the EU, they sued the Russian gas company, national gas company, Gazprom, and they demanded to break the contract and for Russia to start selling at market price. The Strasbourg court was rigged, it was crooked. Hmm. They found, with zero legal basis, they found uh, in favor of the European Union, and they said, we demand that you start selling gas at the market price, which in 2020, during the COVID shutdown, was 50% what the contracts had been signed for, at the very reasonable price of 250. So, in 2020, Russia lost you know, multiple billions of dollars that they would have gotten if the contracts had been enforced and still in place. But then in 2021, the industry bounces back and the price of natural gas, it doesn't go back to 250. It goes back to 2,500. It goes back wow. to 3,000. Man, man. You understand? Yeah. And, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the Europeans are squealing and saying, oh, uh, you know, Putin is, is robbing Europe and all this of, uh, you know, they're starving Europe for gas. Russia has always said, well, you know, they they made the deals. They said, let's keep the contracts, Europe, and, and uh, refused. And so now, and of course, you know, when, when you spit in someone's face and then come back the next day and say, can I borrow 50 bucks, you know, <laughs> The chances of that are going to be slim. And so Russia says, hey, you're the ones who sued us. You demanded it. The court legally enforced it. So now you're going to pay the market price 10 times more than you would have if you hadn't tried to cheat us in our contracts. And so it's not, you know, it's not that Russia is ripping off Europe. The, the rulers of Europe, the owners of the European Union governments, which is not by any means the people, it's the oligarchs and the corporations, they're the ones who are screwing the people of the European Union literally to death. To death. People are going to starve, people are going to freeze in, in Europe this year because of this mistake. Wow. You still there with me? Pat? I'm still. Can you hear me okay? Okay, yeah, you're good now. Uh, thank you, Imran. I think uh, my geek just got on uh, from an airport and got you on uh, full screen. So you look great. Uh, how long have you? How long have you lived there, Russell? 
Uh, I came here in December 2014. It was the uh, the first year of the Maidan coup d'etat in Kiev, and I understood immediately that this was just another extension uh, that the U.S. and NATO was going to do to Ukraine what they had done to Libya before that, to Syria before that, to Iraq and Afghanistan before that, to Yugoslavia before that. And it just, it got to me to the point, you know, from having a good, clear understanding of what the U.S. empire had done, that I just couldn't stand it anymore. I saw some photographs of a terrible atrocity that happened uh, on June 2nd, uh, 2014. There was a Ukrainian airstrike in Lugansk. Uh, civilians were killed. There was a photo of a woman that was hit and who was dying. She was laying on the street next to her legs. Her legs had both been wow. blown completely off, halfway up the th thighs. Her name was Inna Kukuruza. Uh, a guy was making a video with his phone. Uh, he looked up at, or she looked up at him and said, "Hey, can I borrow your phone to call my family?" Hmm. She was dying and she knew it. And she didn't live long enough to make that phone call. But a photograph was made of that terrorist attack, that atrocity, where she's sitting on the ground looking straight into the camera. And when I saw that photo, it was like as if she was looking straight into my eyes, straight into my soul. You understand, brother? Yes, yeah, yeah, so I do. Like she was asking me, what are you going to do about this? What are this? you going to do? Just write a little thing on Facebook and, and make the angry emoji. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go there and I'm going to defend people like her, innocent civilians, and I'm going to kill some of the Nazis that did that to her. And I have done that. I served in the army here for over a year on the front lines with a gun, with the RPG. And I've killed some Nazis just like my grandfather did. He was in Patton's army. He was in the first, uh, the third army with under General Patton, went and uh, enlisted from Dallas in the first days of the Second World War, and he went all the way to Germany under Patton. He was at the Battle of the Bulge. He was the sweetest, most wonderful guy that I ever known, probably the greatest man in my whole life. Hmm. And uh, But back in the Second World War, he was, he was a badass warrior, and he, he killed some Nazis, and I've, I've followed in his footsteps and make no apologies about it. Russell Bentley, can you explain to us, he's live from Ukraine on this uh, uh, Friday morning, the 23rd. Don't bass. We don't say Ukraine You don't say here. Ukraine, sorry. Uh, don, don, don bass. Can you explain um, how uh, Nazis, where they came from, and what they're doing in Donbass? And, and I don't, I don't, I've never really understood how that all came about and is about to this day. Because you fought Well, them. the first thing that people got to understand is that when the German Nazis came here in 1941 to this very land, this the city that I live in, hmm. Donetsk, was occupied by German Nazis during the Second World War. Okay. And when, and when the German Nazis came into Ukraine, um, there was a lot of Ukrainians who joined them, who were collaborators. You know, just as there were in Europe. You know, I mean, you know, the the French Vichy government. You know, uh, everybody. Uh, in every country that the Germans occupied, you know, there were traitors, there were Nazis, there were criminals that joined up with them in order to be able to rape and rob and murder and loot. Yes, sir. <clears throat> and there was a lot of them in Ukraine. And I mean, 
in fact, the the Ukrainian Nazis were so, the atrocities they committed were so horrific that even the German SS were shocked and, and, you know, disgusted by it. And another interesting thing, if you ever seen like some old World War II movies, and you ever hear the uh, the German Nazis say Schweinhund. Schweinhund? Schweinhund, pig dog, is a German word that the Germans used for the Ukrainian collaborators. And, uh, I mean, it's like the most ultimate insult. And, you know, so these guys, they were the worst of the worst. They were the guys who did Bobby Yar, where they killed more than 50,000 civilians um, near Kiev in like a couple of days. Uh, they're the guys who killed, you know, a couple of hundred thousand here in Donetsk when the German occupation. I mean, these were the worst of the worst. After the Russians liberated Ukraine, liberated Germany, these Ukrainians went underground. And they were, you know, perhaps you know of the uh, Operation Gladio. Hmm. No, sir. Okay, it was an operation by NATO, or not by NATO, but by the U.S. CIA, which even back then was the OSS, and it was to uh, to fund and support Nazi collaborators in Eastern Europe in order to someday fight against the Soviet Union. And they put a lot of money, they put a lot of training, a lot of weapons uh, into the Nazi collaborators that were still hiding out in the forest and stuff here. So, fast forward, you know, 60 years, <clears throat> the, the uh, or actually 40 years, you know, in 1990, the Soviet Union collapses, and immediately, you know, U.S. government uh, agencies, uh, USAID, uh, Endowment for Democracy, and also, uh, you know, NGOs that, you know, just like, oh, you know, uh, we're here to help uh, educate people and and da da da. Yes. And all it was was propaganda. It was under under the table support for these uh, Nazis that had been hiding for forty years. And uh, so they kept that. They kept promoting this Ukrainian, literally Nazis. I mean, these were Nazi collaborators. They're the hero of of Ukraine today. Is this dude Stefan Bandera? He was in the German Nazi SS during the occupation of Ukraine. Wow. I mean, there's photographs of him in a Nazi uniform. You know, and, and it wasn't just like he was dressing up in his basement. He was the leader of the Ukrainian Nazis. And it's, I mean, people say, oh, they're far right or they're nationalists or they're neo-Nazis. No, they're genuine Nazis. These guys that we captured in Mariupol, they have swastik tattoos. They have like a full back tattoo of Hitler's face. They have you know, swastika flags. They have German MG-42 machine guns from the Second World War. You know, these are guys that, that say uh, Heil Hitler and Slava Bandera. And so, so Russell, so the, these people have then been supported by the West and they put in the, the different uh, uh, people they put in, Zelensky, uh, Zelensky and this other guy in, what, 92? Um, yeah. To um, just to... I mean, since since yeah, the yeah, what, fall of the Soviet Union and then since... The Maidan coup in 2014, I mean, it's just been like turbocharged. And I mean, these guys, I mean, they have, you know, swastikas on their tanks. They have the SS Death's Head, you know, the Myth and Anthropic Division. I mean, these guys 
revel in death and destruction and torture and suffering, bro. That's that's what they're all about. And and obviously Putin knows that these people exist. So this is also of part. There's, yeah. there's no one here that doesn't know they exist. Huh. And really, you know, anybody in the West that doesn't know they exist by now is either an idiot or they're lying to themselves. Okay. Because, you know, I mean, as much as the MSM miss, uh, you know, misinforms people in the West, you know, anyone that still has a functioning brain, you know, they have to ask that when, you know, when the BBC or the New York Post or uh, uh, La Prensa in Italy when they post pictures, when they post videos of Ukrainian shelling of Donetsk and they say, oh, this is Russians shelling Ukraine. You know, I mean, this is the opposite of the truth, bro. It's like saying black wow. is white. Wow. 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 How did that going on? So, so where do you think Putin is right now? What, what is his, in your opinion, uh, his game plan? What's he going to continue to do or not do? Well, um, I'll tell you the one thing he's not going to do is lose this war. I guarantee that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. It doesn't matter. I mean, Russia has been, since the beginning of the operation in uh, late February, has been overwhelmingly careful, even at the cost of their own troops, even at the cost of them losing the military initiative to protect civilian lives, to protect infrastructure, and even to minimize the deaths of soldiers even on both sides you know because hmm. they understand that at the end of this war this military operation in Ukraine you know Russia is going to be responsible for the future of Ukraine you know every Ukrainian soldier that that gets killed in in this operation you know has a girlfriend has a wife has kids has a brother has parents that are going to always hate the Russians because their kid got killed you know right right so they, they don't want to kill anybody they don't have to, especially civilians. But, you know, this war, and I've said it a hundred times, this war is not between Russia and Ukraine. It's not a Rus It's not a Ukrainian civil war. Uh, it's not even, I mean, the closest you could say, like, uh, um, um, the closest you could say is it's, a war of, of NATO and the West against Russia, which it really is. But even the real deepest truth of it is this is a war of evil against the future of humanity. Really? And I mean that in the religious sense, in the apocalyptic sense. Yeah. You know, uh, these guys, I mean, the fact is there really is a program right now that's going on to depopulate the earth. Yes, sir. And just like in the book of Revelations in the Bible, you know, it's pestilence, which means disease, which also means this vaccine that we're finding out about now. It's famine, which is going to happen this year in Europe and probably next year in the United States, and it's war. And the same people that are pushing the war are the same people that screwed up the food, and they're the same people that we're pushing, you know, this disease and this vaccine. And so, I mean, really, I'm, a, I'm an Orthodox Christian. I believe in God. And, you know, if you're really serious, if, if you're really sincere about religion and you believe in God, then you got to understand that the devil exists too. 
And there's people that worship the devil and that want nothing but to create death and destruction and to steal everything that good people have created. And that, to me, is really what's going on here, Patrick. Wow, wow. That's a mouthful. So how do our listeners deal with that information if they believe you're accurate? Well, I mean, first of all, don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Go out there, do your homework. I mean, of course, understand that when the West, when U.S. and Europe, when they start blocking RT and Sputnik, when they start blocking mainstream Russian media channels, you know, you got to ask yourself, what is it that they're scared that people are going to hear? You know, I mean, censorship is a tool, you know, of cowards and liars, you know, people that can't back up. You know, they say the truth is like a lion. You know, you don't have to protect it. Let it go and it'll protect itself. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what's happening is the people are being lied to by their government. I mean, they're being lied to by the mainstream media. I mean, I don't understand how Americans can't don't just like fall over and die of shame. You know, every time they see Joe Biden you know, come on the TV. I, know, I don't understand that. It's I mean, disgraceful it's, you know, what's going on. It, it's, it's beyond disgraceful. And I just, I mean, and and the fact that there's still some people that look at the TV camera with a straight face and say, yeah, Biden's a great president. You know, the, the amount of truth in that statement is the amount of truth in every statement of all the people that say that. And uh, I mean, and I'm no big fan of Trump, but I, I do, you know, I remember him in my prayers, and I thank him for saving the world from President Hillary Clinton, you know, but, uh, you know, people have to do their own homework. You know, they don't shouldn't take the word of anybody, including me. Of course. You know, there's, there's alternative websites. I mean, you can go, there's, there's, I mean, there's even American websites that are telling the good truth. Uh, the Moon of Alabama is a great site. The Moon of Alabama, Okay. Of Alabama. The moon of and, uh, okay. They, they tell the truth about what's going on here. Uh, Pepe Escobar, uh, the Gray Zone, uh, Max Blumenthal on uh, on YouTube, and they got a website too. I mean, there's a bunch of them. If you if you really want to get some real information, then you got to do a little work. You know, it's all been censored off of Facebook. It's been censored off of Twitter. It's getting censored hard off of YouTube. I mean. I, you know, I've been here since 2014. You know, my Twitter account got shut down in 2016. My Facebook account got shut down in 2019. I mean, with, you know, 10,000 more followers, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, I understand. My uh, YouTube account got shut down just a couple of days after the special operation began. Um, you know, I had 15, 20,000 followers on YouTube. They... Uh, you know, I had a, a video that went viral, and uh, the next day, my whole 12 years of videos oh, was erased. Yes. No strike, no warning, just, you know, I tried to log in, and it's like, this account is deleted. Yeah. How about Saker? Is that a good one? The Saker? Saker? Do you know that one? Uh, the Saker's okay. It's, okay. Uh, I'm a little bit, I mean, and I'll tell you someone that I'm real, real skeptical about that pretends to be, you know, telling the, the alternative news, the real truth. Is this dude uh, Gonzalo Lira? I got nothing good to say about that dude. I, I, um, I you know, uh, the Saker. Um, I think that he's pretty questionable, but he has some very good uh, guest articles, guest writers that come on his 
website. So that one's worth listening to too. You know, I mean, just to get something. I mean, if people really want to, you know, you know, what do they say? Take the red pill or go down the the rabbit hole and see what's really going on. You know, they can join V Contact, v, which is v. Facebook. Six oh. seven hundred million people on it. A lot of them in English, English speaking people. Uh, it's like the alternative to Facebook without censorship, without the... What's the name you know, of it, Russell? What's the name? V? V Contact. Or you can just put capital V, capital K, look it up. I mean, huh. it's a little bit of work to sign up. But once you sign up, you know, if you have a good browser that's got a translating app on it, like I use Firefox with uh, a translate website app. Two clicks, everything, the whole newsfeed, the comments and everything comes into English. You know, and then you can read it all day. And, you and you know, it'll spin your wig what you read there. Because, I mean, when you see, you know, the, the, the terrorism, the war crimes that the Ukrainians are doing right now, you know, and you'll be like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I never, I, I thought that was, the, well, the Russians did that. Yeah. No, here's the proof. Right. You know, I mean... I'm sure you're aware of places like NPR that I listen to every now and then just to hear what they're doing. I mean, they're making it out like Putin is 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 doing war crimes and he's destroying people and he's killing people and he's killing children and he's got to be stopped and whoa. I mean, you should hear you some know, of the stories. Yeah, I tell you this, dude. NPR is completely sold out. You know, they're on the whole liberal homo bandwagon. Right. I mean, they have... I mean, they sold out years ago. I don't know. I mean, you're in, in radio, Patrick. I don't know if you ever remember the Pacifica radio. Sure. Out in California, I do remember them. Dude, yeah. they, I mean, they were nationwide. Dude, I remember when I was a kid in 72, they, they opened up a station, uh, KPFT in Houston. Yeah. And the U Ku Klux Klan bombed their transmitter in Houston twice, bro. Oh, wow. Wow. And when I read something about that in the newspaper... I'm like, hey, this must be a pretty interesting <laughs> radio station. And Pacifica was the great alternative media radio network in the United States. But over the years, it got co-opted. Now, yeah. I mean, it's a bunch. I mean, it's completely. I mean, it's like Greenpeace, you know, totally astroturfed, totally posers. You know, it's like Antifa, you know. They're the exactly opposite of what they pretend to be. Yes, Russell Bentley in Donbasco. What do we make of this report of Putin doing a whole what two hundred, three hundred thousand new troops signing up? He's he's uh, he's not allowing people to fly out, and these are the stories we're seeing. No, no, no. Look, let me tell you something, bro. Okay, he's done what's called a limited conscription. He's calling up reserves troops. Okay, he's calling up combat veterans that have needed uh, military specialty skills. And you know what? And so that's calling up about 300,000. But I'll tell you the fact, bro. There's videos. I've already seen them. In Russia, for every guy that's being called up, uh, you know, being drafted, and then it's not like new guys being drafted. It's, you know, it's already experienced, skilled soldiers that are being called back. You know, like the guys in the reserves. Uh -huh. And for every one of those guys that's being called back, and I'm not exaggerating, bro, there's five or ten more people that are going to volunteer. Really? I mean, I've seen it all over Russia. I mean, we understand that this is a war, 
you know, certainly to defend the innocent civilians of Donbass who are Russian, ethnic Russians, who speak Russian, who consider themselves Russians. It's a, it's a war to defend the Russian Federation itself, too, because as I've said ever since I've been here, you know, who defends Donbass defends Russia. And so they understand that, you know, their, their own homeland, their own country is under threat. And who defends Russia really seriously defends the future of humanity. You know, and so, you know, the whole thing about this draft and the conscription is it's not forcing any, you know, innocent young kids or not dragging them off the streets like they do in Ukraine. But uh, they're getting their, their uh, you know, their experienced veterans, their reserves, troops, they're calling up. And, you know, the mistake that was made was that they thought that they were going to come in here and do this gently and it didn't work out that way. The Russians so made him. They're going to come back so, and do it like they did. Oh, so you're saying the Russians made a mistake? He, Putin made the mistake. Putin made the mistake where he was going to kind of do it gently, and that's what he—that was an error on his part, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, uh, you know, if yes, it was. It was an error, but it was an error of being too honorable and too too humane, hmm. too compassionate. That's what it was. Hmm. You know, and, you know, if if you're going to make an error, then, you know, err on the side of humanity, and that's what he did. But now he understands that, you know, these Nazis, these terrorists, and you understand there's ISIS head choppers fighting right now on the side of Ukraine. ISIS? And I mean, they have been the time, and I can guarantee that from personal experience. I've 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 shot at some of them and they've shot at me when I was on the front back in 2015, 2017. And it's not a secret. You know, these guys are Nazis. These are cannibals, literal cannibals. These are head chopping ISIS. And we're fighting against them. We're defending the world against them. So what do you think NATO's ultimate goal is? Do, do they really think that they can go in and take Putin over? I mean... What are they thinking, do you, in your opinion? There may be, you know, some criminally insane people in, in the head of NATO. And when you see, uh, you know, a beast like Christia Freeland, who's right now the uh, deputy prime minister of Canada, who, in fact, if you want to look this one up, her grandfather was one of the Ukrainian Nazi collaborators hmm. during the Second World War. And that is a fact that she has admitted herself and in fact said oh but he wasn't that bad hmm. and they're looking at her now to be the secretary general of nato secretary general of nato so do they really think in your opinion that they can take putin over someday and take the whole country over i think i think it but there's absolutely i mean not gonna happen bro, listen if if the russian federation the existence of russian federation is seriously threatened then the existence of the human race is seriously threatened because as Putin has said before I mean and this is a quote he said I don't see any need for a world that doesn't have Russia in it right and He's the weapons that Russia has now the West has no defense against and he will he will he they have a weapon that can 
that can blow up the entire island of Great Britain, bro. A nuke? And they'll, I mean, they're not getting around, you know? You, if, if somebody, you know, puts a gun to your head and tries to pull the trigger and it doesn't go off, you know, how hard are you going to hit back? Just as hard as you can. So you really think if they push uh, Putin up against a wall, he could possibly use some kind of nuclear armaments? Uh, I guarantee he will. Hmm. And if they do, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. And you know what? And you understand, it's not the people of the United States or of Europe that we're against, or even the people of Ukraine. We're against the crazed Nazis. We're against the people that think that they are, they consider themselves to be gods, which if you're religious, remember what was the crime of Satan, of Lucifer? Hmm. He hmm. wanted to be like God. Right, right. People on this earth right now that have immense financial power and they want to be like God. They think they are like God and they're trying to do it. And that's who we're fighting against. We're defending you know, the regular, normal people of humanity against those people. They so, want to exterminate 90% of us and then keep 500 or a billion for slaves, you know, to use, you know, for their sex toy or to use for their organs or to eat or whatever it is that they do. The kind of reports that we've been right. seeing. So these people are part and parcel of the whole Klaus Schwab uh, one world government trip Davos crowd same same crowd same people I mean all you have to do is look at Klaus Schwab and ask yourself would I want this guy to babysit my daughter I know I know his second in command is out there publicly I saw a video the other day that humans don't have souls they don't have souls well he speaks for himself, maybe, I but I can tell you, and I know I don't remember the dude's name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, you know, who he's I'm the guy that's all this transhumanism stuff and like that. I mean, I don't want to be a machine. I was born a human being, and I want to die a human being. No, I hear you. I so I'm not in the way to die anytime soon. But there's principles that I believe in that I will give my life for, that I will die for, hmm. and the people that make me die for those principles. You know, they better draw faster than me because I'm going to make them die for my principles too. But you're you're dealing with the, these Nazis would be more like a embedded terrorists where they're hiding. How is Putin going to root these people out? What is his plan? Do you think? Well, I mean, the first thing to do is to demilitarize Ukraine. We need to uh, we need to crush the Ukrainian military potential. Huh. And that is what's going to happen. That's getting ready to start happening real soon. Really? You know, the thing with the referendums that are going on right now that are going to put the Donbass and Lugansk republics and parts of uh, Kherson and uh, Zaporozhye to move to become officially parts of Russia. Yes, sir. And again, you know, it doesn't matter what the United States says. It doesn't matter what the U.N. says. It doesn't matter what Ukraine says. It's what the people there call it. What the people there call themselves is Russian citizens. They're going to get Russian passports. 
They're already getting them. I'm a Russian citizen, too. I got mine a couple of years ago. Really? Hmm. And those people, you know, and then Russia's going to say, okay, the gloves are off now. You mess with these guys. It's like you're messing with our children, and we're going to take you out. So these are different regions, Russell, where they're doing uh, referendums and people are voting. You think they'll vote to be Russian, part of Russia? Uh, 90% at least, you know, because, I mean, these are, I mean, what becoming part of Russia does is it protects them from the terrorism, from the mass murder, from being, you know, bombed by artillery. I mean, dude, I was today, you know, uh, I mean, every, I mean, six people were killed yesterday, you know, 14 people were killed, civilians were killed by shelling from the Ukrop army, shelling with 155 millimeter NATO cannons and NATO rounds that were given them to them by the U.S. and by the West. You know, these people, they don't like to have to kiss like, like I do. You know, when I go out to the store, I kiss my wife goodbye and we say a prayer just for me to go to the store to know, buy some milk. You don't know if you're going to come back. Gee. Exactly right. And, so, and every day here, some people aren't coming back. Wow. And some of them are too. So, one of our listeners is asking, "What does Russell think about Alex Mercurius as a news source?" Mercurius? Uh, I would say he is a good source. Yeah, he he, uh, he has the uh, the Duran, the Duran. That's a good source right there. You know. Okay. I mean, he's in London, so you know he's uh, first of all he's a little bit far from the action. Second of all, you know he can't. He has to watch what he says, but yes, uh, the Duran is a source that uh, that I do respect. Okay. What about overall in all the areas, and I don't like to use the term Ukraine because that's not the proper one, but Donbass and other regions, what did they hear on the radio or in television? Who's controlling those, uh, that? Well, I mean, yeah, and, you know, and, and to be honest, I have to say that, you know, the Russian mainstream media like RT mm-hmm. and... Uh, I mean, Russia has a lot of anti-Russian liberal media. How do they? In very, you know, nationwide, you know. And for some reason, a lot of people don't like it, but for some reason, they allow it. You know, I mean, and it's and it's interesting, and I can kind of understand the reason too. It's like, you know, they have these talk shows, very heavy-duty political talk shows, where you know, like one's called Sixty Minutes, even, <laughs> and it's like. You know, six or eight guys will stand around and they'll discuss, you know, some current event, you know, heavy duty politics, the war, whatever. And they'll even have a couple of pro-Ukrainian media personalities or politicians even that are in this discussion that, you know, on national Russian TV, tell the Ukrainian perspective, the Ukrainian, uh, you know, theme or whatever, you know, their take on it. Hmm. And the reason for that is, is because Russians, unlike Western governments, they trust the Russian people to be smart enough to smell BS when they smell it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they can they can listen to these Ukrainians tell their line and they go, oh yeah, of course, why would Russians bomb Donetsk, you know? I mean, they literally say that. They say the Russians are bombing their own people to blame the Ukrainians, which is ludicrous, you know? I mean... And, and there's enough people in Russia still 
you know, that had a good education that, you know, understand, you know, that, that know history, you know, beyond the year 2010, you know, that know geography good enough to, you know, I mean, you see these people on these YouTube videos, you know, the guy on in LA or something goes up to people on the street, says like, here's a world map, show me where Russia is. And they point to Australia. Yeah, they, they don't even know. I've seen the videos. They, they have no idea. Yeah, it's just, uh, uh, what do you, do you have a sense of overall of the general population in Russia and what their support for this uh, this operation is? Well, I can tell you this, bro. Uh, their support for President Putin is around 80% right now. Whoa, no kidding. Which wow. is about the exact opposite of, of, of Biden. what it is for Joe Biden. <laughs> right. Wow. So there, there's maybe a lesson there, you know. I mean, the thing about the conscription, there's, you know, some people aren't happy about it. Some people are using it as an excuse to try and undermine people's support and faith in the Russian government. But, you know, I mean, when you got 80% approval, you know, you're going to be able to do what, whatever you think you need to do, man. And that's where he's at right now, you know. And in fact, the thing, I mean, there's people in Russia that are mad that the special operation has not gone any better than it has in Ukraine. There are cities, major cities in Russia that are supposed to have, you know, like, I don't know, not Halloween, but, you know, some kind of big uh, fall festival or something. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of people are signing petitions Let's not have the big city party. Let's take all the money that we would have spent on that and send it to the guys defending Donbass. Wow. Speaking of the money, how do you think Putin is doing? He, I, I suspect he may have the natural resources to continue to finance this war uh, with what he's got going for him, does he? Well, you understand that since now the price of natural gas is 10 times. 10 times. Wow. They were making a profit on it on before. Right. I mean, think about it. It's, you know, the, the foreign currency reserves of Russia have increased. Because of the, the price of oil. The price of oil. It's not broken Russia's economy. It's, it's made it better. The ruble is the best performing currency in the world. Wow. Wow. You know, I mean, so... I mean, and I understand that that's why Russia didn't come in in 2014 when they knew that it was a deadly threat, when they knew that it was Nazis taking over. But they didn't, you know, I mean, it's like a giant chess game, Pat. You know, they have to, you have to have a strong defense before you can start moving into offense. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have the political and economic power. I mean, China, which is a powerhouse in its own right, wasn't the you know, the solid ally that it is today back in 2014. But now it is. You know, it could have gone either way. Yeah. No. Now, China understands that if Russia falls, they're the next ones, you know, in the crosshairs. Yes, sir. And as you know, Xi and, and uh, Putin and other people are getting together with this basket of currencies, and they want to have their own reserve currency, right? I mean, that's in the works, isn't it? I mean, yes, and it, I mean, it is actually happening right now. I mean, really? You know, uh, and it's not just uh, Russia and China. I mean, it's Tyrannic, India, it's India, Brazil, Brazil, it's the country in South America. They're in the BRICS. It's South America. You know, the most 
developed country. I mean, South Africa, the most developed yeah. country in, in Africa. You know, I mean, uh, Venezuela wants to join. Iran wants to join. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Iran is, you know, a little banana republic either. That's that's a very, very powerful nation right there, you know. Sure. I mean, so everybody that doesn't want to be a colony of the United States and the world, you know, I mean, it's funny, you know, the the West, NATO and them, they say, oh, the world is against Russia. You know, and actually, no. the, <laughs> the U.N., only 25% of the U.N. General Assembly supports the sanctions against Russia. 20? 75% of the countries in the world do not support. Really? Really? Yeah, yeah. that's... And, you know, if you, really, if you really understand the, the, the currencies I do a little bit, they get this world reserve currency really flying, and people will take whatever they call this thing. Do you know what they're going to call it? And for trade in between themselves, they're going to do fine together, you know, aren't they? They don't need the dollar. They're, they just don't need it. And, dude, and once they don't need the dollar anymore, it's over. which it's already happening right now, then the worth of the dollar is going to become yep. to its true worth, yes. which is... Not one one hundredth, it's one one thousandth of what it is now, bro. I understand. It'll be like the white public. Yeah. You'll need a, a wheelbarrow full of dollars, you know, to buy a loaf of bread. Right now the dollar is very, very strong, but it's not going to stay that way for the, in the next couple of years. It just can't. Well, I don't think so. Uh, the next couple of years is optimistic uh, prognosis, but, I mean, and like I said, dude, I have friends. There's... Millions of good people in the United States. Yeah. I wish nothing bad no, for the good people in the United States. I, I mean, I still consider myself a patriotic American. I mean, I'm an internationalist. I'm a communist. I want what's best for all the people in the whole world, regardless of their nation, regardless of their race, regardless of their religion. I want the whole world to be one human race, and I want what's best for all of them. And there's enough resources there's enough assets in this world to make that happen and the reason it's not happening is because the parasite class around the world that's led by great britain that's led by the united states the parasites there i mean what the four richest dudes in the united states own more than the 50 percent poorest of the united states yes sir they do how can four dudes own more than 150 160 million people and we, we know that the banking system in Europe is worse than any place else in the world. It's really falling apart. So how is this going to affect people in the EU with their euro value and also their food supply? Can you talk a little bit about that coming up this winter? Yeah, and I'll tell you, bro, it's a, it's a very, very dire situation. Is it? You understand that, okay, so when... This deal happened with the Strasbourg Economic Court, um, and then when the price of natural gas skyrocketed, you know, one of the most energy-intensive industries that there is is the production of agricultural fertilizer. Yes. And in Europe, once these prices went through the roof, once they were 10 times higher the industries that created agricultural fertilizer simply could not afford to pay those energy prices to create fertilizer so they didn't they shut the 
factories down. Hmm. I mean, they also understood that even if they did keep it going, even if they produced the fertilizer, the price that they would have had to charge to sell it to farmers, the farmers couldn't have afforded it. Wow. So they just didn't make it, you know, which to me is a pretty evil decision, but, you know, economically understandable. But because of that, they didn't have fertilizer for the farms this year. And, dude, I've done some gardening myself, and you understand that if you have fertilizer and you get 100% return on your harvest, if you don't have if you don't have fertilizer, if you don't use fertilizer, it's going to be 25 or even 20% what it would have been if you'd used fertilizer. And you know, it's already too late now, dude. It's already harvest time. It's not like I mean, and you understand Russia has literally and this is also a fact is offering to give free fertilizer to the poor countries of the world. Is that right? Huh. They're not offering to give it to the United States or Europe, but they're offering to give it to the Middle East. They're offering to give it to Africa. They're offering to give it to Asia for free hmm. to help uh, ameliorate this coming food crisis, this global food crisis. What's going on with the, the uh, energy, cutting off energy to Germany? That's a big deal, isn't it, with Putin? They got this thing going on with the pipeline do you know about that well i mean and you understand again you know germans refused to i mean there was the nord nord stream one which was a pipeline to europe supplying 40 percent of all european gas nord stream one 40 percent european gas boom yeah and then they had they created you know at the cost of billions of dollars nord stream two which was another pipeline that was capable of producing you know, of transporting an equivalent amount, you know, so they could have doubled the uh, amount of gas that they were selling to Europe. To Europe. At reasonable prices. They weren't, like, scalping them. They weren't, you know, I mean, they're saying 250 for a 1,000 cubic meters. You know, that's a good, good deal. That was a deal that, you know, a stable price, you know, that the farmers could grow their food. The, the automakers in Germany could make their cars, you know, the yes, machine makers could make their machines at that kind of price. And they, you know, and it's like if the price of energy is stable, you know, then you can budget for next year. You can figure how much sure. you're going to make next year, how much you're going to produce and how much profit you're going to get and like that. Mm -hmm. But now the energy market is completely destabilized. And the reason for that, bro, the reason for that is because the people that own the U.S. government they want to destroy Europe economically as an economic competitor. Wow. They want to destroy That's it. what they're doing right now. And it's going to boomerang on them. And once Europe is back to the Middle Ages, which, I mean, is hardly an exaggeration at this point, you know, the United States, the people of the United States are going to be next. You know, because, you know, it's like, uh, and I've been saying this, you know, for decades, you know, that what the United States government has done to people in other countries, you know, ever since Vietnam, you know, all the way up here to Ukraine, what they've done to those regular people, eventually they're going to get around to doing to the regular people in the United States. And that's what we're seeing right now, man. I mean, you know, it's, you know, 
that thing that Char, uh, Claude Schwab said about you're going to own nothing and you're going to be, be happy. happy. All right. Well, at least the first half of that was going to be true, dude, because, I mean, nobody's going to have a house. Nobody's going to have a job. They're going to get, you know, barely enough to live on as like free money. Some kind of digital thing they're going to create, right? They're going to do some kind of digital. And they're going to say, if you want want to keep your free money coming, oh, you got to come down and get the new experimental shot that we're giving everybody. Yeah. That seems like the game plan for here, too, as well as central bank digital currency. They're going to do that and and tie it all into your social credit score. Digital currency is is a horrific thing. I can tell you, there's a young woman that's here. She's really cool, brave, beautiful. Her name's Alina Lips. She's a comrade, a a fellow journalist here. She's from from Germany. She... uh, uh, her dad is Russian. Her mom is German. Hmm. She has dual citizenship. And she came here as a journalist. You know, I mean, I understand. I served in the DPR Army. You know I mean? So somebody could say, oh, you know, he was a terrorist or he, you know, fought against, you know, American allies or American mercenaries or whatever. So they can say that about me. She was simply a journalist, bro. And the German government has sanctioned her. They... They stole the money from her bank account. Wow. They have threatened her if she comes back to Germany just for telling the truth. To three years in German prison. And then her mom was still living in Germany. And then they started jacking with her mom, bro. They took her mom's bank account. Mm. You know, they were threatening her mom. Her mom, luckily... Just recently made it out to Russia. They're now in Crimea. I mean, you understand when I mean when when they're threatening to put people in the jail for journalism, bro. I know. But there's there's some spooky things going on here with the FBI, as you know, and PayPal is is uh, cutting people off and it's getting weird, boy. Dude, just... I was cut off from PayPal in like two thousand sixteen. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing. I mean, you know, at, they're they're building a new like Berlin Wall around the whole world. It's uh, you know, and they're and they're keeping. I mean, the way that I have supported myself for the last eight years. I mean, Russia doesn't pay me. The DPR government doesn't pay me. They never have. Hmm. Not not a single penny. How do you support yourself? I support myself by people. Almost the majority of them, for sure from the West, who appreciate me risking my life, working hard to get out honest information about what's really going on here, and they supported me. They sent me money, huh. uh, the majority of which I used for humanitarian aid missions here. But, you know, I mean, the price of living here is pretty low. You know, you can, or at least for most of the last eight years, you know, I, I could live pretty good on a 1000 bucks a month. Really? Oh. Yeah, I mean, I had a nice apartment in the center of the city, two-bedroom apartment, furnished, all bills paid, 100 bucks a month. Wow, interesting. So yeah, how is it, before we go, how is it in general now for the, pe- the, the people, uh, can you do it region by region a little bit of how their, li- their life is and uh, their availability to food and safety? I mean, yeah, I mean uh, it's very tough. You know, I mean, like it? I said, you know, Heavy artillery shells fall on civilian areas of my city, Donetsk, 
every single day. Every day. Wow. That also goes for Lugansk. It goes for Zaporozhye. It goes for um, uh, Kharkov region too. So it's tough. I mean, we're in a real war. And it's not like, you know, uh, in America, in the Vietnam War, you know, you see it on TV. It's like, it's right you, know, there. you walk down the street, there's some people blown up. I mean, I can tell you that right now I have an apartment. My wife and I have an apartment in the center of the city. And, you know, multiple times the artillery shells have fallen so close to our apartment that the car alarms go off in the parking lot. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. And these are heavy-duty shells, dude. They have a 100-meter fatality range. You understand? Mm-hmm. I mean, and if you're close to them when they go off, it, it, it doesn't kill you. It blows you into pieces, bro. It blows you into, you know, hamburger. And if you go to the store, when you go, is there food there? What's available and what's not? Yeah, there's plenty of food here. Well, I can tell you the prices have gone up, you know, in the last two years, uh, between 50 and 100%. But still, uh, I mean, let's say, for example, uh, a quart of milk is about a buck fifty here. Uh, you can get uh, good, fresh non-gmo i mean there's no gmo here food by the way at all it's against the law no kidding uh, to raise or to sell hmm. uh you know uh, uh, a kilogram like more than two pounds of chicken breast boneless skinless chicken breast it's about five bucks two pounds a little bit less than five yeah. bucks yeah you know and that's two and a half pounds you know uh good cheese you know you can get uh a half a pound for a buck fifty of good cheese, you know, natural. You know, I don't know what else. Uh, That's all right. And and what currency are you using now? What do you use to buy things? What currency? I'm sorry. I mean, the Russian ruble. The Russian ruble. You can still, if you have dollars or euros, you can. You know, there's money exchange uh, businesses around town. You know, you can still exchange the rubles or dollars there. I mean. Uh, dollars or euros and get your uh, rubles right now in Donetsk uh, it's about 63 rubles to the dollar I saw it today and the, the dollar the ruble has been strengthening since the operation correct um, yes it, when the operation first began there was a couple of days oh. when it was over 100 rubles till the do- to the dollar and then it went down to 50 rubles to the dollar you know, it doubled in its value. And then, and now, it's gone back up. I mean, you know, for the most part of the last eight years, it's been between 65 and 75. And it's at 63 now. So it's actually stronger now here than it has been for most of the last eight years. Mm. And finally, Russell Bentley uh, and Don ask, how is the change in weather now that winter is coming do you think is going to change um, everything for everybody involved in this? Well, it's going to be very tough for the people in Europe, I can guarantee you that, and the people in Ukraine, because, you know, Russia is just simply not going to sell gas to people that provide weapons to kill its soldiers, you know? Well, they're just not going to do so, it. So, huh. and, and the, the, not only the prohibitive price of American natural gas 
is beyond what you know European citizens can pay. Um, the United States can't ship enough over across the Atlantic and these big uh, giant tankers to fulfill the needs. So there's not going to be enough. There's going to be blackouts. There's going to be industry shutdowns. There's going to be times when they're not going to be able to heat hmm. apartment buildings. And it gets cold over there at this time of the year. Yeah, and it gets cold. But I can guarantee, you know what, in Donetsk, you know, it's and it's pretty cool because the 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 central heating in the apartments is done by the city on a citywide basis. Huh. So, like, I don't know, October 15th, they turn on the hot water and the radiators for the whole city. So everybody here, you know, good Lord willing that we don't get, you know, nuked or something, but Donetsk and Lugansk, the, the, the regions liberated by Russia, have the resources and the ability to heat the homes of all the people here. I mean, I'm telling you, dude, I mean, in, in the last eight years, and it's not going to be that much different this year, it might be a little bit more, but for the last eight years, my heating bill in my apartment has been, I mean, I'm talking about all my utilities. I'm talking about my electricity, my water bill, my heating bill, my internet, all my utilities combined. All of that ran me less than $20 a month. That's crazy. Wow. And so... No, no, no. That's crazy. What's crazy is that the Americans and Europeans, I mean... I remember back in the U.S. even you know before I came here you know paying four hundred bucks a month in the summer for air conditioning for electric bill you know yeah yeah what what energy did what energy did they use to heat the water for the radiators what do they use yeah gas? I mean and it's gas I mean and the other little thing too is you know there's no way for them to cut it off if you don't pay your bill man I remember hmm. living you know going to visit a friend of mine and. Uh, a, a poor part of Austin and she had her next door neighbor and plus somebody across the street had had their electric bills cut off because they didn't pay and you know when they cut off the electric bill you know then they go ahead and add on oh it's 150 bucks extra for cutting it off plus it's 150 bucks more for turning it back on plus you have to pay the whole bill before we turn it back on and these people you know they had generators in their backyards you know hmm. to heat i mean and that cannot happen here there's no way to turn off a single apartment's heating because that's not the way they do things here and so what it is is i mean if you don't pay your bill for a really long time then you know at the main front door of your apartments you know they put a list of the people and how much they owe that haven't paid their bills for a long time. Interesting. And so if it's somebody that could pay it and hasn't paid it, then it's a shame for them. And if it's somebody then can't, that can't pay it, and bro, listen to me here, then the people of my city, they say, oh, it's the old granny up there on the fifth floor. And they all get together, they pass the hat. Oh. And pay it. I mean, nobody cuts it off. Nobody... They can't cut it off, and they wouldn't if they could. Hmm. Interesting. That's the kind of, you know, the tight, cohesive community that we have here that people around the world, and especially in the States, 
you know, could learn so much. Yeah, from. only could wish for. Are there parts of, of many uh, parts of Ukraine and the whole country that are not experiencing any war? Well, I mean, you can. I can tell you that I saw a very tragic video the other day, and it was of Ukrainians. It was like a split screen, mm-hmm. and it was Ukrainian soldiers watching, you know, the nouveau rich, you know, the the children of the oligarchs partying and dancing, drinking champagne and snorting coke at these nightclubs in Kiev, while these Ukrainian soldiers are sitting on the front lines, you know, freezing with not enough food, not enough ammo, and wow. you know, I mean. You know, being being thrown into the meat grinder. So yeah, and uh, so far Kiev has not felt the fist of war, but I think that's going to change pretty soon. And I think, in my opinion, that'll be a good thing. And if you ask me, it should have happened before now. But I think it's going to happen. And then, are there are there Nazis you know, in Kiev? Are there Nazis in there? Of course there are. Okay. Heavily Nazi area in all of Ukraine it is the city of Lvov. It's right on the Polish border, far western. I mean, and that is that is the real. I mean, they have they have torchlight parades with Bandera and Hitler portraits. Has I Putin mean, gone in there yet? Has, Nazis. Has he moved in there yet? Has yet Putin? No. No. But no. I hope he does. You know. He, I mean, I don't expect. I mean. My prediction, or rather, I mean, my hopeful prediction and what I think should happen is that Russia will take Odessa. First of all, Russia will uh, secure the Donbass front. You understand that there's still Ukrainian army, thousands of Ukrainian soldiers on the city limits. I'm talking about like less than 10 miles from where I'm sitting right now. Hmm. I mean less than five miles from my house in Petrovsky district near the front. We were there today and I tell you in in 10 minutes you heard at least 50 shots Wow going both ways. you know so it's very hot there. There could still be an attack into the city of Donetsk. Hopefully the Russians now are going to get reinforced. they're going to come in. they're going to crush the Ukrainian army on the Donbass front and then from there, they can concentrate through uh, Zaporozhia on securing that nuclear power plant and then uh, taking, uh, liberating Kiev, I mean, uh, Odessa in the southeast, which then landlocks Ukraine. And then they can just come down. I mean, they don't have to go east. They don't have to take all the area of Ukraine between, which Ukraine is as big as France or Texas, by the way. You know, uh, hmm. it's actually bigger than France. Um, the uh, all they have to do, Russians can just come straight down from the Russian or Belarusian border, and they can, you know, they can surround Kiev and take Kiev. Okay. Once Odessa and Kiev fall, once the Donbass front is secured, then then the war's over. Russia can and should control all of the land from a line going from west of Kiev down to the northern tip of Moldova and everything east of that under Russian control liberated by Russia and then everything west of that which is the really hardcore Nazi part 
you know, Poland can have it. Hungary wants some of it. You know, uh, Romania wants some of it. Let them have it, you know. I mean, but, but then with this, Putin would then be secure in knowing that NATO would not be putting rockets right on his border, correct? Right on the There'd be a buffer zone at buffer. least, you know. I mean, and still, I mean, and hopefully with that kind of victory, it would make, you know, the lunatics that run NATO think twice, you know, to understand that Russia can handle Ukraine and NATO militarily, conventionally, and. You know, if it goes nuclear, then uh, all it's all you. over for everybody. But, yeah. Yeah. you know, Russia is going to have, you know, hit 10 times harder than than the United States can hit, man. I mean, the new, you know, these new missiles, these new torpedoes that they got, I mean, there's no way to stop them. There's no way, there's no technology that the West has to stop them. I mean, and, and they're powerful enough, like I said, to wash every single thing off the entire island of Great Britain. Wow. Okay, final question. This one is from Larry. Does your guest believe, an interesting question, uh, if the conservatives win the Senate and other seats in November, that this thing will stop? Um, hmm. Don't know, and I'll say this. You know, I mean, uh, yeah. I never voted for a major party politician in the United States the first time I ever voted was 1988. I voted for Ron Paul, the Libertarian Party, yes, for president. The last time I voted was the year 2000. I voted for Ralph Nader, the Green Party. Hmm. I never voted for a Republican or a Democrat. You know, the Democrats used to be, you know, at least to some degree fashioned, you know, as the party of the working class and, you know, minorities and yeah. stuff like that. You know, it's... They're not that at all. I don't know if they ever were, but they're certainly the opposite of that now. You know, I mean, Republicans, um, you know, they're they're most certainly the the party of, you know, the rich guys and the, you know, big corporations. You know, so I mean, and it's funny because even though I'm a communist, I'm a I'm a social conservative. I'm an economic communist, social conservative. You know, I believe in racial equality, absolutely. Female equality, absolutely. You know, internationalism, all that stuff. You know, that that the economy should be, uh, you know, for the benefit of the workers. You know, that the people who work and produce the goods, who earn the money, should get the money. And, you know, I mean, but at the same time, at this point, as much... You know, I mean, I, I always hated George Bush Sr. I always hated George Bush Jr. and still do, and I do mean hate. But, uh, you know, Donald Trump, you know, he's another deal. I'm not a big fan at all, but... Uh, he's a wild card. Just don't know about him, you know. I hope that... Uh, I hope the Democrats are put out of power and... You know, I would have to say that, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, you know, if Trump runs again, I hope that he does, he, he has an election that won't be stolen from him like the last one was. It was. Well, at least, if, I guess, if they, they control the Senate, if they wanted to slow down the money going to Ukraine, they could. And that might be beneficial for everybody, but well, they're dumping I mean, billions. We, that, we have no idea how many, much money is going over there. 
all their money, and it's not it's not even going to the front line. I mean, they're sending some obsolete weapons. They're sending a few good weapons, but 75% of it's getting siphoned off. It's getting stolen. And, you know, it's like the old, like Hunter Biden said, you know, 10% for the big guy. You know, so, you know, Joe Biden can't even find his own ass with both hands anymore, but he's still getting, you know, billions of dollars to some Cayman Island bank account. Uh, sure. So so you, you really believe, and others do too, that I've read, that many of these billions going over to Ukraine that the government is borrowing from the Fed that creates the money, but don't get me started, uh, and piling on the debt is going to just the rich people, and it's just money laundering. They're just siphoning it's it off. Exactly, money laundering, dude. It's the biggest money wow. laundering operation on earth right now. And I mean, and just you know, parenthetically, you know, uh, Ukraine's becoming a huge uh, uh, shipment point since since Afghanistan got shut down. Ukraine's now a huge shipment for heroin and other heavy drugs. It is the biggest harvesting point for human organs. It's two billion dollar a year industry in Ukraine. In alone. Ukraine, wow! You know, sex slavery, human trafficking. That's that's all Ukraine, bro. That's that's their major industries now. Wow! And they couldn't do it because everything that happens in Ukraine is under the power of the U.S. deep state, the U.S. CIA, and uh, they couldn't be doing it without the permission of the U.S., and that's what they are. It's the biggest human organ, sex trafficking, and one of the major uh, hard drug trafficking areas well, in you, the world. Well, you may be right, Russell Bentley. This could be a real, the big one of the good and evil thing that uh, spiritual paths and uh, the Bible has talked about since the beginning of time. Could be the big one. Well, I'll tell you what, man, if it ain't, it's uh, <laughs> it's doing a pretty good job of looking like it. That's right. If it's not the big one, I don't want to see the big one. Russell, thank you so much for being there. I know that I, you, uh, I appreciate it. And God love you. Stay under the radar. Stay safe. Keep us... Uh, thank you, too, Patrick. You're doing a great job. You're a real patriotic American. I mean... It's the truth is the uh, the most powerful weapon that good people have. So thank you. Keep keep uh, sharing it, bro. And uh, my pleasure. It's a real pleasure and honor to be talking to you. I still love Texas. I still miss <laughs> Mexican food. Come on good down. Star beer Come back and visit while, sometime. Uh, okay, brother. We're, we're all in the same boat together, so, bro. So stay stay safe. Good luck uh, to all good yeah. people. May God protect the innocent, and may the rest of us get everything we deserve. Thank you. May the blessings be, sir. Patrick okay. Timponi, OneRadioNetwork.com with Russell Bentley. And uh, let's see if I can do something here. I don't know why this thing doesn't work. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Russell. Thank you, sir. Well, uh, here we are. Man, what a trip, huh? Okay, I'm going to go now because it's uh, really getting, you know, getting late. We've been around for a long time. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We're going we're gonna, to we'll edit out the Russell Bentley piece and put it separately so we can get it up on YouTube and other, other places and see how long it stays up there. Okay, I'm going to see you Monday. Take care of yourself. Uh, I love you. Uh, let me know if I can help with anything. Uh, I don't know what's going on and what this is all happening, but hey, you know, it's just, it, is, it is what it is. Take care of yourself. Let me know if I can help. Uh, Patrick Timponi, see you on Monday morning with Jennifer Daniels, and uh, may the blessings be. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.